I'm glad to be back in San Antonio. So many familiar faces. I was thinking as I was driving down here, faces came to my mind in Community Baptist Church, Hilburn Drive, Grace Community, just different churches. It's a blessing, you people. It's been a blessing to know you. My text tonight is going to be found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. You'll be turning there. Before I read my text, I'm going to give you some snippets from some other places in the New Testament. From here and there, we're going to read a few verses that also complement the text that we'll be using. By the way, the, this particular portion, this little parable, it's a brief parable, and the Gospel of Mark is the only place this parable appears. It's very unusual. I'm going to speak to you tonight on the principle of miracle. Let me give you, before we read our text, let me give you a sampling of some truths. If you had a vase before you and you were putting in some little scriptures to think about, put these scriptures in that vase and think on them. Matthew sixteen seventeen, where Jesus says to Peter, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. There's nobody smart enough to figure out who Jesus Christ is. The greatest intellect will never be saved by intellect alone. Flesh and blood will get you nowhere without the divine revelation of the Father. Flesh and blood. He was talking about when Jesus made the confession, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Have you made that confession? I mean, not because your pastor's made it or because your mom and dad's made it, but have you made it because you've seen it in your heart? Because this is what salvation ultimately is. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ to you that He's God. And when you see it in your heart and it's revealed to you, you are a Christian. And it's not just hawking the words or repeating the words. It's seeing it. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father... In heaven, John 3, 8, Jesus speaks of the new birth. And he says, the wind blows where it listeth, where it wills. And you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell. You cannot tell whence it comes and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Not just a few, so is everyone. No one predicts anybody being saved. Nobody can do it. It is a work of the blowing of the wind, of the work of the Holy Spirit. And you can't, you can't know. It'd been a stupid thing for us to put out a banner saying, Holy Ghost Revival tonight here at Community Baptist Church. We have no guarantee that the Holy Ghost will show. The wind blows where it listeth. You hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell. Remember that phrase, you cannot tell. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Philippians 1.29 For unto you it is given, for unto you it is given, to believe in Jesus Christ, to believe, and also to suffer. It's a gift. You didn't get it because you earned it. Or because you were smarter than the other guy. Or that your heart was more pliable than the other guy. You got it because it was given. For unto you it is given. Philippians 2.8, 2.13. Philippians 2.13. Remember this one. For it is God which worketh in you. Both to will and to do the desire is worked in you 
and the performance is worked in you. Both of them. Who's to credit for that? For it is God which worketh in you. Is the will to do right? The will to follow the Lord in you? The will, both to will and to do the performance of His good pleasure. I bet you didn't know how weak you were unless God was working in you. Listen, let's look at our text from Mark 4. Listen to this little parable. And he said, so is the kingdom of God. So is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is exactly like this. As if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. May we pray. Now, we've read, Lord, already that every ability to think right, to do right, to receive you, to worship you, has to come from Thee. Work in us tonight. Enable us to have hearing ears and hear the Word and have a profound respect for what you're doing in our lives as Christians. Help us to know the greatness of the miracles you're working on a daily basis. Thank you, blessed Lord. Speak to us. And Lord, would you be good to some poor soul and call them by your effectual voice tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Actually, the thought of the principle of miracle begins in verse 25. I used to wonder about this. Before you found verse 26, you had this statement. For he that hath, listen to this. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. I used to wonder about half what? It's an unnamed commodity. And it's an interesting thing. Jesus says, he that's got it's got something. In fact, for those who have it, they get more. And those that do not have it get robbed of what little they ever had. And does that sound fair? Those that have it, Get more. Those that don't have it, get what little they have taken away. That doesn't seem fair. Well, folks, this thing of salvation is not about being fair. And you can fall on your face tonight and thank God that He deals with no one on the basis of fairness. What is this unnamed commodity? Let me ask you a question. Do you have any miracles taking place in you spiritually? Things that are not of your doing, definitely. Things that you know that you could not do of yourself. Ask yourself that question. For it is not out of context to say what the meaning of this verse is. And listen carefully. The one who has the grace of God and the miracles it produces will get more. 
And the one that doesn't have grace and the miracles it produces will lose everything. Now, our good Pentecostal friends, when they talk of miracles, they usually mean the spectacular extra salvation type of miracles. Miracles of physical healing, healing of diseases, or like Brother Dean preached about raising light. Now, that was a miracle, wasn't it? Raising the dead. Phenomenal visual signs and wonders. But if we are to take what miracles and put them only in the definition of phenomenal signs and wonders, we have a very small and a very narrow context to describe what a miracle is. There is a larger meaning to miracles than just the more what we might call spectacular signs and wonders. I would say that the Scriptures broadens this concept of miracles, wonders, to any work, any act, any influence of God that saves you from sinning and prevents you from self-destructing. If you are to be prevented from destroying yourself, you're going to have to have miracles wrought in you. And not just one. It's interesting. Miracles, self-destruction. You know, it could be that the slightest inclination at a particular point of time not to commit sin or not to do a particular sin, that could be more important to you than healing you of diabetes. Because, my friend, healing the body is one thing, and it's a wonderful thing to have a healing for the body. But to have a miracle that saves you from sinning just might save your soul, save your life, to be saved from sinning. Now, it's interesting how Lord Jesus was fond of using agricultural parables. In fact, I found, as I look around, that the heavens really do declare the glory of God, don't they? And the earth showeth His handiwork. Everything in nature appears to have a spiritual parallel. Nature scenes are periodically and frequently used by our Lord Jesus to metaphorically present a truth. Christ was particularly fond of the cycle of growth In agriculture, fruits and grains, and he used this cycle of growth and production of fruit and grain and fruition, final fruition, to parallel the way God works in His kingdom in this world. In fact, even in Matthew 13, there are three agriculture miracles or parables that our Lord uses. The parable of the soils and the seed falling upon those soils. Then there's the parable of the mustard seed in Matthew 13, 31, and 32. And then there's the parable of the wheat and the tares. Jesus is about to give us in our text tonight, in verse 26, he said, So is the kingdom of God. This is how it is with the kingdom of God. Now listen to it. He said, It is as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep. And rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest is come. It's just the same, Jesus says, with the kingdom of God. Just as the earth yields fruit of itself, Without any help or interference by man. Just as the seed is sown and the harvest is reaped. Just as the seed germinates, sprouts, and develops underground, untouched, out of sight, mysteriously, miraculously, 
That's how the kingdom of God is. Just as the only thing men do, and the only thing men can do, is to observe the effects of the miracle. We can observe the blade breaking through the earth, the growth, the blade, the ear, the ripening of the fruit. It is absolute impudence and ignorance to say that human activity on any level is the cause and the reason of bringing an increase into the kingdom of God. It is not of flesh and blood, my friends. The whole process is viewed as mysterious and miraculous, even though we know we can preach and we can share a testimony and we can be a witness. But the process of really getting the seed in the heart and bringing forth a crop that will be harvested is none other than the Lord's doings. Only the Lord knows how to do it. The essential, out of sight, germination of the seed, its growth and fruition is absolutely mysterious and marvelous and fantastic. And the kingdom that God is building and has been building is in every respect just exactly like this. It's a mystery. It's a miracle. Miracles. Now, I want to say, first of all, that the miracle principle at work is to credit for all the spiritual good in the world on any level. Wherever there is any fear of God, whenever there is any knowledge of the Lord, when there is any desire to do right and to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, any spiritual good on any level is the Lord's work. Jonah expressed this. In his book, in chapter 2, verse 9, when he said, we know this little statement, salvation is of the Lord. Beloved, it is never the order of works, then miracles. It is always the order, miracle, then works. Miracle, then repentance. Miracle, then faith. For by grace, the grace of a miracle of God, are you saved. Through faith. And that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So we're not talking about... We're talking about the principle of miracle is at work in every degree of spiritual good. And as far as how, I don't know. When, I don't know. Why? Well, we know Christ died. We know the gospel is preached, but we know not how. You see, this is true on the largest historical scale. The mystery of miracle holds true in the entire career of the church of Jesus Christ on the earth. His, the presence of the church is a miracle. The preservation of the church is a miracle. The final consummation of the church will be nothing less than a miracle. The kingdom of God developed. From the first gospel words given by Jesus Christ in the beginning to the very last elect grain of fruitfulness showing up in a saint's character at the end of the age. This whole business of any degree of fruitfulness, of any degree of goodness, creating, sustaining, preserving, protecting, and consummating the kingdom of God, it is a miracle. Think about it. Where is it happening? It's happening among folks like us. Fallen humanity. The Lord is developing and producing a kingdom. People that fear Him and know Him and love Him. And think about the hostile world that the kingdom of God is in. Hated. Despised. And think about through the entire age. I'll tell you, my friend, the very fact that the church exists and the church is, is a testimony to the magnificent skill and power and genius of the Son of God. 
I don't know how to do it. I can't get her done. But He can. I'm telling our Lord, Jesus was not joking when He said, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Did that sound like a losing proposition to you? He said, I will do it. Luke was not stretching the truth when he said, And the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. So this matter of spiritual life in the souls of men is not a human production. It is not wrought through human skill or human wisdom from start to finish. It is miraculous. If it is in us and it has to be begun by Him, it has to be sustained by Him, and it has to be completed by Him. It's all the way through. We're dependent upon miracle. The principle of miracle. Think about it, beloved. Try to begin this good work in one of your family members. You'd like to see it. You've sowed as much seed as you can. Can you start the good work in them? And after the work has begun, vow that you're going to keep that work alive. And that they're going to grow in grace and knowledge and they're going to progress and they're going to be made faithful to the Lord. Vow to keep it alive and to complete it. Brother, this is a miracle. I'm just telling you, if you love Christ, if you have a desire to live right, if you want to honor God, if you want to follow His Word, it's not flesh and blood. It's a miracle. It's a miracle of love and grace. Working in you from start to finish. Think about what we mean when we're talking about the expansion and growth of the kingdom of God in this world. We're talking about, Brother Dean, making dead men alive. Dead things. Somebody that doesn't have a desire for God. Somebody that's cut off, separated at enmity with God, not just a little indifferent, actually full of enmity and hatred toward Him. How are we going to come alive? That's what we're talking about. The kingdom of God, we're talking about making dead things alive. This is a miracle. Do you know how to do it? Can you make anyone alive? How about this? Do you know how to make the wind blow? Do you know how to make the Spirit move? I know not how the Spirit moves. Convincing men of sin. Revealing Jesus through the Word. Creating faith within. Do you know how the wind moves? Do you know how? Do you know how to bribe the Spirit? Call the Spirit down? Generate the Spirit? How do you make the wind blow? How do you make someone believe in and surrender their life unto someone they have never seen? But will believe in Him and trust Him as, as much as they would any human being. In fact, John twenty twenty nine: Blessed are those who believe but have never seen. How do you get somebody to believe and trust and surrender their life into the hands of someone they've never seen? It's a miracle. It's nothing short of the power that it took to create the moon or the star. It's a miracle to make men believe. How do you humble a proud heart? How do you break into a carnal mind? How is it that individuals can come to love and believe and trust a person they cannot fully understand or comprehend? 
I tell you, the longer I serve Him and the more I see, the more I don't see. How do you get somebody to commit to a person they can't fully comprehend or fully understand? And yet that's what we do when we commit to Jesus Christ. He's bigger than us. And yet He's come down to us. A miracle. How do you make anyone receive a way of life that is inherently troublesome and uncomfortable to human nature? How do you make anybody surrender to a life that will possibly bring harsh division within their family? Upset friendships. How does it, why does anybody want to commit to a way of life that is just naturally uncomfortable to human nature? Because guess what? When He works the miracle of regeneration in you, He is going to then be working continually to reform you into His own image. And that's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to take a miracle to get you... Think about it, you... Yes, I'm talking about you. Into the full image of the Son of God. And who would gladly surrender their life to observation where nothing from then on can be hidden? Everything is open to inspection and correction. How do you incline someone? How do you put within somebody an inclination when something ugly or nasty or filthy presents itself to look away and mortify the lust of the flesh. How do you put that inclination in a man to look away? And just set his eyes straight forward. It's a miracle. Don't think. It bugs me to no end. It says, well, now that God has saved us, let's get on to bigger things. Better things. There is no bigger thing. There is no better thing than God saving you. Because it's going to take a lifetime. A miracle. God working in you. Both to will. And to do according to my will. No, that's why you're going to go through things that it's going to be best for you, but you may not like it. Because it's, he's working according to his pleasure. The Lord will lead you in a way that he chooses. Why should men listen to this one? Why should men enlist to a commitment that if not followed through to the end promises harsher punishment that's going to come upon that man who falls away than one who never gave a hoot? Why would you want to commit to something that says if you ever turn back it would have been better for you to never to have known the way of righteousness. Does not it say that? So, oh, what a ground we're on. Yeah, bring it on. Let me commit to something that warns me if I ever turn away and give it up and forsake it. It would have been better never to have known the way of righteousness. So we cannot, and my, my point is, beloved, we cannot imagine how these changes could ever take place in sinful, fallen human beings. How they could come about. But I'll tell you this, our Lord knows. He knows how to call. Some of you may not be planning on being saved. In fact, I'll say this, if you're not a Christian, you're not even, you're not planning on being saved. You're planning on not being saved. The Lord could call you before this night is over. Hey! You think He needs your permission to call you? Why, He can jerk the devil out of you quicker 
then I'm not the other gene type. Why can he do it? Because it's not up to flesh and blood. It's up to the omnipotent power and strength of Almighty God. The Lord knoweth how to call, to sanctify, to preserve, and to glorify people on earth. Now, I've told you that the miracle is on, at work in the church on the largest scale. Ever since the church has been here, it's been a miracle to the final harvesting of the church. But I'm telling you, this mystery of a miracle is at work on the tiniest individual scale in every one of our lives. Oh, beloved, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me that He would continue to work miracles within me for your spiritual promptings. Any inclination to do what's right, any power to do the will of God is created Sustain and finally perfected by activity and process, you cannot figure out. You cannot control it. You say, well, what about the Scripture that says strive to enter in? Let me tell you, the principle of a miracle works right along with the deepest strivings of your heart and pressings and choices and decisions. Yes, but it's miracle. Even in your intense inner struggles, which all Christians have, your powers, when your choices and your powers are stretched, if you please, to the limit, and you're called to decide to the maximum, but you must receive from God powerful, overriding Help. Do you ever feel like that? Help. Lord, help me now. I don't feel right. I'm not thinking right. I'm not going in the right way. I need help. Every overriding impulse that you need, and you need them continually to save you from sin. How can these things be? How does this work? What's the secret formula? How do you get men to pray? What about that impulse to get down on your knees and pray? Did you know that when you get down on your knees to pray to God, you're not only praying to God in heaven above you, you're praying because God is at work giving you the impulse in your heart to pray, and the Holy Spirit is giving you some liberty to approach the invincible God. He's creating that desire to pray. It's a desire, Lord of the Lord. Men ought always to pray. And what? Our business and our weakness is we faint. Well, my friend, the power to pray, the impulse to pray is a miracle. How about this? When somebody says a nasty word or, or a, a hurtful word, an injurious word, that just impulse to forgive the offense. I'll pass over that. I'll forgive that immediately. What causes that? To be willing to forgive somebody not only seven times, but 70 times seven. Every time in your mind that offense comes up, you'll say, I forgive. I forgive. I'll not hold their trespasses against them. I'll release them. Where did that come from? The desire to forgive men of their trespasses and offenses. Is it a miracle to forgive? How about that sense when you're in a place you ought not be, there's a sense of that prompting in your heart, get out of here. This is not the place for you. That uncanny sense of danger. That sudden conviction of sin. The enablement to do a right thing. The power to choose the Lord and His way again. 
Beloved, it's nothing short of a miracle. It's not just our initial regeneration that's mysterious and supernatural. All subsequent renewals, quickening, convictions, revivings, inner enablements are miraculous as well. Because you can, of yourself and by yourself, do a little. You can do nothing. I'll tell you what. What we can do on ourselves if miracles don't happen, we can feel the wrong way very easy. We can think the wrong thing. We can do the wrong thing. But to do the right thing, to feel the right way, and make the right move is miraculous. You know what you are in of yourself without God? You're a withering, dead branch. Apart from me, you begin to wither and die. You're a cold, powerless mass of impotence. You're a cauldron of conflicts. Apart from constant infusions of life and power and help, you will not get along very, very far in the Christian walk. So, beloved, thank God. Praise Him. Him that hath, to Him shall be given. Got grace? He giveth more grace. You see, I found out, beloved, there's something mysterious and unearthly about an inspired, just think, just the inspired thought. A good desire within your breast. The inclination to give. Being moved to pray. The will to mortify a sin. The power to remember the Word of God in a critical situation. The strength to love your brother and forgive offenses. And how about this? When, I don't know if any of you are prone to these dark, foreboding thoughts that when they can come upon you and you're headed in a direction to crash and burn because you're just getting so full of darkness. And yet, that limp, that rise out of those dark thoughts. That's miraculous. It is supernatural. Those foreboding thoughts of victory and the willingness in this God-hating, sin-loving, immoral, immoral, adulterous, homosexual generation we live on. Live among the desire to be holy. And to honor God in our bodies and our spirits. That's a miracle. Do you have any evidence of this miracle in your life? You see, you and the Lord know the truth about who you are and what you're like. You're going to have a t-shirt printed up with these words on it. Thank God I'm not like other men. Who maketh you to differ from another? What have you that you haven't received? Time to quit. You're tired. We'll go home. Let me let me just say this. Let me give you an application of this. This miracle principle is a stress relieving principle in the work of God. What do you mean, brother Don? I'm telling you, it is a tendency of every Christian minister or witness or worker to take the whole load of the responsibility of another person's spiritual welfare upon their own shoulders. How many of you not have come into church burdened and heavy laden and are worried and vexed and perplexed and you have no joy because you're carrying the weight of a lost loved one on your shoulders because you think it's your responsibility to get them saved. To get them in. And they're not coming in. Well, beloved, it's too much of a burden to carry. Thinking that my husband's salvation depends on me. 
my wife's salvation or my children's salvation is upon my shoulder. Beloved, it's the principle of miracle. The seed growing of itself. The land yielding fruit of its own accord. This is how the kingdom of God is built. No one knows how to build it or to keep it going. Whether you're an elder, a deacon, evangelist, missionary, a scholar, a layman, whoever you are, no one knows the secret of growing the kingdom of God. We have our word, yes. Do we preach? Yes. Do we pray? Yeah, but where do we get that? Any preaching that's worth a dime's good has to be miraculous. Any hearing that is worthwhile has to be given. I mean, miracles have got to go on, folks. We can do our work and must do our work preaching and praying, studying and witnessing. We can engage our full energy to the service of the Lord. But the supreme reality we must needs remember Except the Lord build a house. They that labor, labor in vain. Beloved, true Christianity cannot be reproduced in anyone by anyone else's works. It takes a miracle every time. The faith that was once delivered to the saints, the faith that was once put in my heart cannot even be kept alive by myself. Without a miracle. And you can rise night and day. And folks, let me tell you, you can look at it and you can inspect things and you can get all upset. But that rising night and day ain't what's making it happen. It's a miracle. At best, we can sow a seed. We can give a word. Yes, it's proper to pray. But the whole concept has to be miraculous. No one but God can create a fertile heart and open an opportunity. No one but God can prepare the soil. Or, In fact, even so within us, the will to speak to another person or the courage to speak is not the answer of the tongue from the Lord. Beloved, I'm just saying that this miracle principle is a stress-relieving truth in the work of God. Very wise, not just to... We've always been indoctrinated with the principle, go, go, go and sow. And that we, we must. But we also need to learn the discipline to stand still and wait on the Lord and do nothing. We're so unbalanced. We think the responsibility that we've got to do this or we've got to do that. You know, we'll plant a seed and then by much talking, we'll dig up that seed. Why don't you trust the Lord? Believe the Lord. Hands off. Let it be. We all need to learn the art of shutting up. We talk too much. Let us rest more hope and confidence in Him who has all power in heaven and earth, and can exercise it at any time, upon any human being, in any situation as He pleases. In fact, if He doesn't sow it, birth it, bring it forth, preserve it, keep it, and then harvest it, it's a bad plant. It won't make it. For every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. So, beloved, in divine activity, there is no formula. Don't look to me to give you a list of do's and don'ts in doing the work of God. There is no formula for doing the work of, for the divine activity of God other than the divine activity of God. Now let me bring this to a final close by mentioning this finally, that the miracle principle is a humbling truth. It's not only just a stress-relieving truth, 
It's a humbling truth. It's vain and preposterous to think that increase in the kingdom of God and growth, progress, conversions, possible, positive results. It's vain, preposterous to think that growth in the kingdom of God is due to your gifts, your wisdom, your schemes, or your labors. It's not you or me, baby, that has anything to brag about if there's an increase in the kingdom of God. It's, there's a tendency to people to think if their church is growing, we're doing something right. When, and also, the same principle holds when the church is decreasing. I had pastors call me a couple of weeks ago. They had experienced church losses, church decreases. Well, we're doing something wrong when, we de- when our church decreases. When the reality, you're not doing anything different either way. You see, this thing of the church growing, you think you grow it? You think you build it? You think you add to it? You think you've got a handle on the kingdom of God and you're just a little notch above those poor people out there that they don't know how to do it? Listen, it's just pride and arrogance. It's a humbling thing, folks. It's not, we get to think, our church is special. No, it's not, baby. Why, we've got a better, more powerful preacher. That has nothing to do with it. Slap our faces. It's miracle. From the start to finish. If anyone gets right, if anyone turns, if anyone believes, if anyone perseveres, if anyone is harvested in the final consummation, to God and to God alone be the glory. No credit or glory for any good never belongs to any man. Even the great Apostle Paul says, it's not me, it's the grace of God working in me. Your style has nothing to do with it. Your approach, your efforts, the fact that you're different. In reality, let me tell you this. If someone is blessed and helped because of your witness or your work, a dumb donkey could have been substituted in your place. And done just as good if God had willed it. Going to go out and get you a t-shirt printed up, Pastor. I know how to get her done. We don't know. We know not how. But let me tell you, he does. Every increase in good is supernatural or it's no good at all. Anything in this church that's going on that's not supernatural is no good. Anything going on you, anything going on in your life, that's not supernatural. Naughty, naughty. It's no good. It's a humbling thing to admit, I don't know how, in the face of souls in need, I don't know how to bring them in. Or if they do get brought in, it's a humbling thing to say, I don't know how to keep them. If you don't know that, the providence of God often reminds you that you really don't know anything. For you see, The Lord will teach you by His providences. You don't know how to get it done. You don't know how to make it happen. He'll shut every door. He'll ignore every prayer. He'll reduce your situation to desperation to teach you that 
You don't know how. And we must all confess, I don't know what to do. I can't do anything more than I'm shut up to miracle. It takes a miracle. And that's what the Lord wants and desires. For it's an encouragement and a blessing. For just as we cannot secure results in the kingdom by skillful manipulations, planning, and organization, we are likewise not to blame for decreases, little results, or even people falling away. We can be humbled and thankful and grateful that the Lord is faithful. He will gather His elect. He will give out the call. He will save His own. He will sanctify them fully. And He will glorify them in the consummation. Every last soul of His chosen seed, He'll get. No matter how lawless the times, the Lord has some tough times to work with. It's never been this bad before. Don't be so sure about that. Look how surrounded with an evil world I am. You still interested? Do you still care? I'm telling you folks, when the dust is all settled, the history of the church will be a success story. Because... It functioned on the principle of miracle. It will not fail. You know why you are not falling? You know why you haven't fallen already? God working in you. Miracles. You have any evidence tonight that miracle is at work in you? Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name be all the glory. Let's pray. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for what You have done, what You are doing, what You will continue to do in this fallen world of sinful humans. Thank You for calling. Thank You for convicting. Thank You for quickening. Thank You for regenerating. Thank You for working the will. Thank You for manipulating the situation. Thank You for giving the grace. Thank You for restraining the temptation. Thank You for working the power. Thank You for filling us with the Holy Spirit. Thank You for every good miracle. Continue with them, Lord. I need them. In Jesus' name, Amen.